there, and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will guide you through a film. Each and every month there's a theme, and as it's August, I'm doing Astral Plane August, which is my look at the Portageist movies. So tonight I'm looking at Portageist 3, coming out two years after part two, with no fanfare due to Heather O'Rourke's tragic death. With a slashed budget, in-camera special effects, a sick lead actress, and only two of the original cast returning, that being Heather Rook and Zelda Rubinstein. Uh, the set was set alight, costing $250,000 of damage. I'll discuss it later on in the podcast. And a script was written by the director after the original writers washed their hands of this. I mean, this does not bobel at all. I mean, I remember I first saw this back in 1989. I was, what, 10? And this thing bored the fuck out of me. Keep in mind, I was an easily scared child. I guess the cheap effects and awful acting failed miserably. Because, I mean, oh my god. Even at 10, I could see the quote-unquote twist ending, or rather the twist coming a mile off the whole murder reflection crap. I mean, utterly ridiculous. So, with Julian Beck dead, the mantle of Cain goes to Nathan Davis, who has none of what Julian Beck made Cain scary. I mean, he's just basically a plastic face in this. It's just terrible. Also, with Will Sampson dead, the mantle of Caroline's saviour lands on Zelda. She's fucked in. <laughs> so let's just go through the mirror and see what's on the other side of Wonderland. With a budget of $9 million slashed from, I think it was supposed to be 14 I think it was, this only pulled in $14 million. Starring Heather O'Rourke, Tom Skerritt, Nancy Allen, Lara Flynn's Boyle, Kip Wiltz, Nathan Davis and Zelda Rubinstein. Directed by Gary Sherman. The plot is several years after the events of Portageist 2, and Caroline is set to live with her aunt and uncle in Chicago when she sees a child psychiatrist who doesn't believe she has powers or even about the supernatural or paranormal. However, in talking about her past, the beast has been awakened. Now wants Caroline to lead him to the light. It's down to her aunt and uncle, also Tangina, to save her from the evil that's plagued her throughout her childhood. Can they do so? I find out here. So, after the cheap titles of showing a reflection of a reflection of a reflection of Portageist 3, this opens up on a man cleaning windows after two painfully long, boring-ass minutes of bad music and just plain text on a black, black even background. We see Caroline, once again, played by Heather O'Rourke, watching a man doing his job while sitting on a bed, bored out of her mind. Now, don't go over here, but I think this window washer is Nathan Daniels out of the Reverend Kane makeup. How <laughs> do you know it? Stiff Caroline uh, looking out the window, and he turns into Reverend Kane, the first of many, many, many cheap scares this bloody goddamn movie. In walks her aunt, Pat, or Trisha, played by Nancy Allen, still in a Robocop haircut, to take Caroline to breakfast? Question mark. I mean, mm. Next to walk in is her uncle Bruce, played by Tom Skerritt, to 
talk Pat into getting his daughter, Donna, played by Lara Flynn Boyle, out of the bathroom. She's been there for hours, apparently. Hmm. And note, Craig T. Nelson was asked to return as Steve, but says, no, two was enough. So it was given to Tom Skerritt to play an unmentioned uncle. For that matter, neither's bloody Aunt Trish, I mean, for crying out loud, where the hell do these, these relatives come from? Also, this was Lara Flynn Boyle's first movie role. Or starring movie role, anyway, I mean, hmm. It is dropped that Carol has only been with them for less than a month, which means either Steve or Diana had had enough of all the ghostly goings-on and packed off to Chicago 2,000-plus miles away. Wow, great parentage there. It's also dropped its freezing in the apartment, setting things up for much later. And apparently, this happens in real life to the people who live in the John Hancock building due to its sheer size. Apparently, it gets colder in the upper uh, floors and does down the lower floors, so who knew. Hmm. Anyway, after breakfast, Caroline and Donner are dragged um, out of the house wearing full winter clothes when it's a gorgeously hot summer's day outside. Okay then. Also, here is the start of the mirror reflections not showing the truth, as Kane is showing opening all the doors in the hallway leading to the elevator or lift. It's also dropped that Pat and Bruce might be newlywed. I'm not sure here as Donner is Bruce's kid, but she's not Pat's kid. Also, Pat is a standoffship of Carolan. I mean, this is all kind of muddled and messy. I love that almost every surface in this bloody building has mirrors. Which would be a fucking nightmare to keep clean, but moving on. All but the express elevator or lift. Uh, which Bruce has the keys for, as he's the building's architect, designer, manager, what the fuck he is, I mean, it's not actually going to mention what he has, his actual role is, but he has keys to all the, the, the doors. So, Kane does not like the fact that this lift doesn't have any mirrors, so messes with it. Meanwhile, a crack starts from the ground floor mirror all the way up to Carol Ann's room in the 75th floor. Wow. Okay, see, now, why am I getting Grimlin's Tooth in this building? It has everything. An art gallery, a shopping mall, housing, and even a swimming pool. What the fuck? Anyway, outside, Donna and Caroline almost missed their ride to school. And here we meet Donna's boyfriend, question mark, Scott, played by Kip Wetz, as they all pack into an SUV. With that, Pat goes to work in the gallery where, in a mirror, one of her postmodern statues comes to life, and I swore to God as a kid, the head morphed into Cain, but it doesn't. I also swore that these things attacked later on, but I must have got that confused with, um, Beetlejuice? I mean, hmm. Moving on, maybe would it be better if these things actually did attack? I mean, hmm. Meanwhile, in the car ride to school, Caroline is menaced by Cain's reflection in the car window. Much later, Bruce is showing the crack on the mirror by a janitor, saying it goes all the way up the building. As this is happening, another janitor takes them to the basement, where the entire room is frozen over in ice. Okay then. Bruce thinks nothing of it as it's bad construction, and just moves on. Right then, an entire room is frozen solid with ice, but nah, it's only bad construction. Right then, mate, you're fired. Jesus Christ, how shittily constructed is this building if the entire room freezes and you just bat an eye at it? Plus, a crack just appears in the mirrors and you even fucking concern about how much money it's going to cost to replace the mirrors. Get yourself to... Mm. 
Anyway, Caroline is then dropped off at her special needs school. Or sort of school for gifted children. I'm guessing Professor X runs this one then. Hmm. Here she's picked on by bullies for seeing ghosts. Okay then. Also here we meet Dr. Deceiting. Who I swear to God they call him Dr. Satan. Through this, I mean, hmm. Put by Richard Fire, who doesn't believe in ghosts or the paranormal, or Caroline's power. He thinks she's a fake and doing this for attention. Well, at her high school, Donna has to deal with Scott sniffing all over her. Uh, also her BFFs, Sandy, played by Meg Welton, and Mel, played by Stacey Gilchrist. Now, I think that's about that because they're not actually bloody well named. None of these friends are named, by the way. Only Scott is, I mean... But, going by the listings on IMDb, these two are the ones I mentioned. Anyway, Scott wants Donna to be at his pool party that night, but she has to babysit Caroline, as Bruce and Pat have to go to the big corporate gala opening of Pat's art gallery. So back to Canon. Her music teacher is letting them in class listen to a piece by Chopin, saying he wrote this at the tender age of 19, but this wasn't his first piece. His first piece was written when he was 7, saying that he was a genius, therefore just because you're young doesn't mean you're useless. Moving on. Behind a two-way mirror, Dr. Seaton is schmoozing big money backers in the hope they will open up their wallets. They get freaked out by Caroline staring at them through the murder. Dr. Seaton tells them that's Caroline's power, her little party trick if you will, to trick people into seeing things that are not there. He continues, Caroline has the power of planting suggestions into your mind that ghosts are real. He doesn't believe it, he thinks it's all bullshit of course. And thank God he get elevated to a higher plane of thinking in this movie later on. I mean, this guy is such a smug, close-minded twat. It's his fault Kane found Caroline in the fucking first place. Oh my god. Mind you, I have no idea how long it's been between part two and three. It could be months, it could be seven fucking years. I don't know, maybe Taylor's shaman shtick didn't work, and the Freelands had enough of all the hauntings, so ship Caroline off miles away to be tested by shrinks. Who the fuck knows? It doesn't tell you that's a bloody well movie. Anyway, back to Caroline. She sees Kane in the mirror. He watches her with a sick grin on his face. And this guy has none of it. None of the menacing stare of the other guy. He just stands there grinning like a fucking idiot in clearly terrible makeup. Meanwhile, at the same time, back in California, Tangina, played again by Zelda Rubenstein, tells her I don't know, tea group of psychics that she knows Caroline is in danger, so runs off. With that, she has this weird Native American necklace she's wearing. Was this gift by Taylor? If so, why does Caroline not have it, or at least have a similar piece of Native American jewelry? If this to keep Kane away from her, I mean, mm, what is happening here? Why is this magical, mystical piece of jewelry so important all of a sudden? I mean. Moving on, speaking of Caroline, she is under Dr. Dipchat, as I'm going to call him from now on, spell as he's hypnotised her and is trying to get her regress back to when she was a younger child to deal with the beast, to reconnect with the trauma of the first two movies, sending out a beacon to Kane where the hell she actually is. Now, is this the first time he's done this to her, or has this been the 7th, 8th or 10th time she's done this to her because they say that 
uh, he's hypnotised her one time before and it freaked him the fuck out and she started to see things in the room so what's happening here? Caroline tells him the beast aka Kane wants her to lead him into the light as it's her dad's fault they aren't at rest due to the building houses on top of their gravestones or their graves rather. Now see in part 2 Kane was afraid of the light as it would lead him to hell due to him being so evil in life and the afterlife. So why in this one does he suddenly want to go into the light? I mean, hmm. After tears streaming down her face in fear, Dr. Dipshit finally snaps Caroline out of it. But Kane isn't done yet as he throws a coffee cup in a mirror reflection which smashes the mirror in real life. Dr. Dipshit thinks somehow she faked it. How? I mean... Anyway, that night, alone in her bedroom with her speaking spell, Caroline looks outside her bedroom window as she's all alone up in the 75th floor. And Mock's Brooks to tell her he'll be away for the night, but he'll only be downstairs, down in the gallery, as Donna will be watching her. As in her bedroom, Pat tells Bruce she believes in psychics and the paranormal, but Bruce doesn't really want to listen about it, blaming Diana and Steve for messing with Caroline's mind. Dropping she's Diana's sister. Say what now? I thought Bruce was Steve or Diana's brother, not Pat being Diana's sister. This thing makes no bloody sense. Why would Caroline be so cold to her actual aunt and call her Trish? Also, why is she so close to Bruce if he wasn't even her blood uncle? This thing is fucking badly written and muddled as fuck. Moving on, after Bruce badmouth Steve Diana and Caroline. He walks off. However, in the mirror, his evil double just stands there and stares at Pat. She notices it walking off second after Bruce and does nothing. And this is a theme for this fucking movie. Nobody reacts to the bloody panorama on this fucking thing. Now, dressed, Bruce looks in on Caroline, who is all alone in her bedroom playing with her speaking spell. By the way, these mirror walls and doors are creepy as fuck. Now, I remember years ago, I was talking to a supposed witch and psychic who told me never to have a mirror reflecting on a bed as at night when a person is asleep, the reflection can take over the body. Kidding. Also, having mirrors facing each other is a big no-no also. You should never have two mirrors or more reflecting each other as each other will show the reflection of a reflection of a reflection. And if you walk inside that reflective area, you could be trapped in the reflections. Okay then. Anyway, on the way out, Bruce tells Donner to watch Caroline. And no ghost stories, as they'll be down in uh, the art gallery. Also, no parties for her. So, walking off arm in arm to the big gal opening goes Bruce and Pat in the huge hallway mirror. Kane is shown opening all the doors in the hallways as every one of these houses are empty for some fucking reason. Caroline overhears Donna complaining to a friend she can't go to the pool party because she's quote brat watching. She's not even a bloody relative. So Caroline tells her just to go for it. Meanwhile at the gal opening at the art gallery Pat schmoozes with all the arch knobs and this place just screams up its own ass 80s. I mean, vaguely racist as all the waiters are dressed in karate outfits. What the fuck? As they're 
they're serving sushi and various other things. What the hell is happening here? This is all vaguely racist. Meanwhile, upstairs, Donna is getting ready to go out. She stares at the mirror reflection, which starts to mess around as Caroline's evil reflection comes into Donna. She looks great just before real Caroline walks in and says... Less is more. Ooh, Karen. Again, Donna does nothing. She sees the... Oh, whatever. What the fuck? I'll be rushing my ass out of that fucking house, going to this church, and getting a young and old priest. Fuck that. Jesus, jinkies. Anyway, as she leaves, Donna puts on her... What was it? Eight? No, A8D jacket, which I thought was a USC, but... Mm, and this is how I figured out the, quote, twist as a kid. Because when, quote, Donna comes back from the other side, i.e. the mirror, the writing on her jacket is backwards. It's the same with the writing on Scott's jumper. It's backwards also. So, hmm. So as Donna walks down the hallway mirrors, Kane's multiple afflictions slam the doors, scaring Caroline into her bedroom. By the way, Donna no one sees a tall, thin man dressed in a black suit and hat at any of these reflections. I mean, hmm. So she goes to Jeff's house, played by Joey Garfield, saying the house party is ruined as his father is sick. Wait, I thought it was a pool party, and I thought it was Scott's, not Joey's, so... Sorry, Jeff's. So, what the fuck is happening here? Anyway, Scott is again all over Donna. So, these reject breakfast club kids all complain how shit the party is until Donna pulls out Brucey's master keys. Meaning, they can steal shit from the shop in the mall and have a pool party. You gotta love these yuppies kids, Jesus Christ. Back to Karan, she's in her room playing for speaking spell. As outside the window, it starts to freeze over. Also in the mirror is Kane in the window playing platform thing, what the fuck that thing's called, playing with her in the reflection on the mirror. He starts to call her name over and over and over again, and this freaks her the fuck out. So she tries to leave the room, but her reflection locks hands and pulls Caroline clean off her feet. Cue, we're back! As the evil reflection pulls Caroline clean off her feet, as I said. By the way, Caroline is said 121 times as Goddamn fucking movie, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's all doing this thing is Caroline, Caroline, Bruce, Bruce, Pat, Pat, Donna. Oh, God almighty. She somehow gets free and cracks the mirror as cold pours out of the mirror and then freezes the room as Caroline looks in the mirror to show a bloated, dying, evil clone. Now, was this in bad taste? They knew she was sick, but just not house sick, so was this in bad taste uh, to show her decaying so much in the mirror? I'm not sure. So on the plane from California to Chicago, Tangina sends Caroline a psychic message to break the mirror by stroking the Native American necklace. Again, it would have been nice if it was explained why this necklace has so much body power, like where the fuck did she get it from? Did she get it from Taylor's tribe after he died or something. What is going on here? So Caroline smashes the mirror and escapes. By the way, the mirror is now uncracked later on in the movie, so... Oops! Meanwhile, Tangina calls Dr. Dipshit to tell him to help Caroline. She'll be there as soon as possible to save her. 
Unfortunately, Kane won't let the call go through, so Dr. Dipshit hangs up, thinking it's a prank call. And he then calls Bruce's office to complain. Too bad Kane misses with the phone again. So Dipshit marches over there to put Caroline in her place once and for all. Wow, mate, you are a fucking A-grade dickhead. Caroline tries to call Jess' mom for help, but it's too late. Donner and company are long gone shoplifting for the full party. So back to the brattier pack. Donna sneaks them down the back stairwell to the pool where she sneaks past the one camera. With that, she unlocks the pool. They sneak into the control room to turn off all the cameras and boom, instant pool party. Just add booze and snacks. Meanwhile, Caroline has to deal with her evil fiction and Kane calling her name over and over and over and over again. She runs past the mirrored hallway to the elevator, but too bad it has a mirror in it as Kane is waiting for it. So she runs um, down the, the um, emergency fire exit and that sets off the alarm. Handily, this alarm wakes up the one inept lazy guard who goes to investigate the alarm, giving Donner the chance to mess around with the cameras. However, the lazy guard doesn't even fucking check the staircase. He just stands at the doorway and pokes his head through, then fucks off back to his work. Fire this guy immediately! What happens if this was a real emergency? The fucking... Mm. Leaving Caron to deal with Kane as he freezes the stairwell over on both ends. Back with Donna, she is about done with shoplifting or what else? Cheap beer, coke and chips. She goes to the control room to erase her crime and mess around with her friends. Here she sees Caroline on a CCTV camera running from Kane. As down in the car park, Caroline is running from Kane's voice as it calls her over and over and over and over again. With him saying he needs her to lead her lead him rather into the lights, which A, she did so in part two, and B, since when did he want to go to the lights? Isn't hell waiting for him as his followers were reborn? What the fuck is going on here? Or reincarnated even. So Caroline runs straight into a bottomless puddle of water and is pulled down by undead hands. Luckily Donna and Scott show up just in time to try to save her, but all three are pulled in. And note, as a kid I was told this is why Heather died. She caught the flu which turned into pneumonia from this scene. After this, all her scenes are done with either body doubles or re-edited footage somehow. I mean, because apparently this water was ice cold and due to her what was it, Crohn's disease? She ended up with the flu, which turned into pneumonia, and it killed her. But I'm not sure if that was true or not, because I've read other places that because of her Crohn's, her large intestine exploded or something, and that's what killed her. So I'm not sure what's going on here. Anyway, upstairs at the gala party, Bruce is sitting alone, smoking next to a statue that came alive earlier. Up walks Pat to ask if he's having a fun time. He says no as he feels something is off. Up walks a security guard to pull him away to deal with Donner's pool party, as they have been caught, unsurprisingly, leaving Pat to be watched by the statue. Bruce questions Donner's party. Guests ask her where the hell she is. They say they don't know she left over an hour ago to get snacks. As the guards take the kids away, the pool suddenly freezes over and out jumps, jumps rather, a frozen Scott. 
not gonna lie here, I've always found this ridiculously funny as a half-frozen teenager running around like a headless chicken runs straight into a glass wall. All quote Scott can say is, they got Donna, they got Karen! As in walks Pat and Dr. Dipshit to see the now unfrozen pool and Scott is now just soaking wet as the ice is magically disappeared. Dr. Dipshit says it's all a post-hypnotic suggestion from Caroline. It's all one of her little mind game pranks. Scott shouts, and no, they got them both. As upstairs, Bruce and Pat go to see Caroline. Room, as it is now bulging, as trapped inside is an evil clone of Caroline. She tries to pull Pat inside, but Bruce pulls her out. Up walks Tangina. Shocked to see Bruce and Pat couldn't tell it wasn't the real Caroline. Now, what was going to go on here was the clone Caroline going to get pulled into our reality and he was going to keep the real Caroline stuck in the mirror dimension? Kaden. Tangina then tells him the preacher Kane is back as he needs Caroline. Also, he's evil and full of rage and anger, saying Kane has the girls on the other side. She then asks to see, quote, Scott, who is with Dr. Dipshit. Now, she can't tell he is not real. Wait a minute, what am I saying here? She's cinema's worst psychic. So Bruce calls security to get him to look for Donna and Caroline. Here he's told security cameras are down. Okay then. Back with Dr. Dipshit, he hypnotises, quote, Scott. Question as to what happened. Cue some truly abysmal acting from Scott, screaming, keep her away from me, speaking of Tangina. Again, she can't tell he's an evil clone or need a reflection. He then screams, the puddle, in the garage, that's the garage, the puddle, for God's sake, again, again, and again. Now, why would he tell them that? Also, why couldn't Tangina use her powers to find this puddle? Oh yes, a bad psychic, my mind. Down they go, where Tangina uses the puddle to talk to Caroline. With her saying, the light is so cold, Caroline is. Of course, Dr. Dipshit scoffs at this, saying it's all fake. This is a fucking parlor trick, it's not real. Tangina snaps at Dr. Dipshit, saying it was his fault Kane is now back. He was long gone, long forgotten, but he forced Caroline to remember him, therefore he's back for revenge. Dr. Dipshit don't stand for that shit, as he tells them this is all a prank played on, or rather played by Caroline. Bruce tells him to shut the fuck up. He then pisses, kisses? Pisses, or he then kisses Pat's hand, and Gina tells him that love is the only thing can save Caroline. Finally, an hour into a 90 minute movie, Tandina's necklace is addressed, with her saying she got it from Taylor, and it holds great power. As upstairs, Tangina tells Bruce and Pat, Kane was insane with power in the living, but now dead, he craves more and more power. Caroline's power, that is. He needs her uh, before she grows too old and loses her psychic ability and her purity. So, why did... Uh, moving the fuck on. They open the door to the apartment, finding Caroline's door closed. But in the hallway mirror, it shows... Caroline playing with her speaking spell. Tangina tries coaxing Caroline to come through the mirror, but the evil clone ignores her until Bruce tries to grab the reflection. So it snatches Tangina's soul, killing her, turning into a dried-out husk. 
from which comes, quote, Donna screaming to life. And note, this is where I noticed the reverse writing on her denim jacket. So into a shower, she's thrown to heat up. Once there, Boost scoops up and puts her to bed. Cue more awful acting as, quote, Donner shouts, Caroline is drowning, she's drowning, Caroline, 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 over and over again. This is going on for a good fucking two minutes. It's ridiculous. Frankly, this is annoying as fuck and almost made me toss the fucking disc. I was done with this movie at this point. Pat snaps and screams, who the hell cares? Then tells Bruce Donner is their family. Let Caroline go with Kane. Just let her go. Let him take her. And this is why I'm stunned. Pat is her actual fucking aunt. This is a cold bitch. Bruce sees clone Caroline running away in a mirror, so chases after her with Pat following suit, leaving Dr. Dipshit with, quote, Donner to die. As he chases a clone Caroline to the lift shaft where Donner pushes him down to his death. Then, she meets Scott off the elevator. The two kiss as he pulls her face off to reveal skills for some reason. V-style, Google it kids, V is a 1980s TV show starring Robert England, pre-Nightmare Elm Street, about reptile aliens that want to take over the planet. Moving on. They then walk off hand in hand, laughing as they disappear into the mirror's reflection. Meanwhile, Bruce chases, quote, Caroline to a, a deep freeze, I think it is, which uh, floods um, as Tangina appears from the water. She hands Bruce her necklace and then dies again in the cold water, screaming, Outside in! And I am beyond done. With that, they're teleported to a frozen car park and here the cars come alive and try to run down Bruce and Pat. They all miss, so explode for some fucking reason. Note, here is the over $250,000 of damage done to this car park. And this place burned down, almost killing the cast and crew. As the hired firemen just stood there watching it burn down. A grip ran in to save the cameras before they melted. Wow. Just fucking wow. I hope these firemen were fired and or sued. I mean, who the fuck lets... Oh my god. Anyway, I just noticed these frozen, possessed cars growl as they come alive to Pat and Bruce. This is fucking ridiculous. So with the car park sprinklers pouring water on them, the two run back to their home. After Pat's assistant tells them Donner and Caroline are with Dr. Stipshit waiting upstairs. As in the elevator, Bruce tells, rather Pat tells Bruce she's sending Caroline back to California immediately. So, is she actually a mirrored clone or is she just a raging bitch then? Kane attacks the lift, sending it plummeting down from 74 to 15, and then rocketing back up from 15 to 98. Here, in the lift shaft, Bruce finds Dr. Dipshit's dead body drained of life once they finally get to the bloody lift shaft. I mean, the, f the lift rather. With that, they head to the roof where Bruce and Pat use the window cleaning device, what the hell that thing is, 
to go down to the 75th floor and smash open the window to Caroline's bedroom to save the entire family. And note, this stunt was so dangerous, the high winds caused one side of the platform to snap. I mean, it almost cost the stunt doubles their lives. What the fuck is with this shoot? What is it with this fucking franchise? Here, this already paper-thin movie falls to absolute fucking pieces. And note, this ending was shot after Heather's death, hence why we never see Caroline's face ever again. Bruce uses a shovel to smash the window, but is sucked in. So it's down to Pat to save the day. A clone of Caroline comes to the window to tell Pat to go away. She doesn't love her. And Kane does, and Kane needs her. Just to hand over a necklace and just let her go. When she refuses, the clone turns evil as it shows Caroline or Caroline's body double, wearing a ridiculous oversized cane mask. With that, Pat just follows her inside to find the bedroom frozen solid. So first she fakes a mirror clone of herself and then Kane. He laughs at her when she says she loves Caroline and she has the, number, the, the necklace to protect uh, again, John. She has the necklace to protect them all. She has the power. Dear God. So he bitch slaps her, showing her all her family are frozen solid and indeed long dead. So she cuts off Kane's head with a shovel as it dissolves into nothing. Another Kane attacks. As in the mirror, Tangina tells Kane if he gives her back her family, she'll lead him into the light. With that, the two walk off into the light. When the light's about to fade, Bruce, Donna and Caroline walk out free. And note, in the original ending, Tangina bursts through Caroline's frozen dead body and then takes a necklace from Pat and uses it to destroy Kane as the light from the necklace I don't know, burns his face off and burns his body, cause him to crack into pieces. She then walks off into the mirror, into the light. Anyway, the family hug and kiss. It's all over. Credits start to roll until lightning hits the building and we hear Kane's laughing. So, that was Poltergeist 3. And my lord, if I thought part 2 was bad... This grabbed me by the balls and bitch up the fuck out of me. Nothing in this goddamn thing makes sense. Why did Stephen Diana send Caroline away after... What is she now supposed to be? 12 years of dealing... Of, 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 rather, years of dealing with these bloody well ghosts. Why is Pat so cold to Caroline if she's her actual fucking aunt? Why are these not mentioned in any of the bloody movies? Why all of a sudden does Kane want to go into the light? What power does the necklace have over Kane? And where the fuck did Scott go? <sighs> what the fuck? I'm going to give this thing 1 out of 10. That's been fucking generous. So I'll come back next week as I wrap this month up with Poltergeist Remake. Which I've seen twice and I'm not impressed. Then I kick off Super Spy September with my look at Doctor No. Then all the first movies with all the Bond actors. That is Doctor No. Um, what the hell is this one? Uh, what the fuck's that called? Uh, Live and Let Die. Uh, the l shit. What was that one called again? Uh, not Loving Daylights. Yeah, it was the Loving Daylights. Yeah. Um, uh, Golden Eye and Casino Royale. Oh, God, John, you're fucking shit doing this. 
Anyway, don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe, and follow me on Twitter at Here's Pod. A bye, and this podcast is clean? Question mark.